Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is the score. It is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you. It's been fun. Alex is manning the engineer position. Doing a hell of a job. That is your name, right, Alex? Oh, thank God. It's always good when you get the names right. Uh, Holt and Cooper are our promotions humans and doing a fine job. They're standing around the, uh, like the foos hockey table. What do they call those things? The tabletop hockey table. No, that's too many uses of the word table in there. But you know what I mean. It's like a foosball machine, but it's hockey. Bubble hockey, right? Bubble hockey is what they call it. Anyway, I, I fully expect the score promotions people to be busy playing bubble hockey uh, at some point during the broadcast. Meanwhile, back at the shop, I know we have had Adam Studzinski. Julio Rauseo is due to take over. Uh, and, Yeah. We are doing Cubs baseball here for you, uh, leading up to Cubs pregame, and White Sox baseball as well. It is hit and run. You know what? We've been very guest intensive. I've been talking a lot. We have some time to talk to you at 312-644-6767. Where is your confidence level, uh, Cubs fans, as you have watched these last two games? Do, do you have any crackpot theories you'd like to add to the home and road struggles narrative? But seriously, watching these last two games, I admit that I have been inspired by Nicholas Castellanos. By Nick Castellanos. I have what somebody on Twitter referred to as Castellanfidence, which is a, a horrible portmanteau, but Lord knows I'm not afraid to use a portmanteau. So... I, I have been inspired by that and watching the lineup do its thing with Jason Hayward rightfully atop the lineup, Castellanos in the two-hole, followed by the boppers. By the way, uh, Chris Bryant getting a day off today to rest the knee. Nothing more than that, says Joe Madden. He could have absolutely gone, but he is resting the knee. But I'm wondering where your confidence is right now as you have watched them these first two games. Because what you're dealing with is a team that plays vastly different at home than it seems to do so on the road. But when they are at home, when they are, they play very, very well. Take a lot of pitches, work at bats, seem to be in charge of things, seem to be in control of their emotions, in control of of oftentimes the game situations, as led by the starting rotation. I wonder what the rotation is going to mean. I wonder what the rotation is going to mean to these last 52 games. That's what we're approaching right here. Those last 52 games. And two off days in August, two off days in September. And 
52 games to separate themselves, if possible, from the middle of the pack and from the rest of the teams in this division. 312-644-6767 is the phone number as we talk some Cubs leading up to Cubs baseball right here on 670 The Score. This rotation ought to mean a lot during the course of these last 52 Um, because you are looking at the most effective rotation in the division, the most comfortable veteran rotation in the division, and with all throughout the National League, fourth in innings pitched, fourth in ERA, fourth in strikeout-to-walk ratio, seventh in walks plus hits per innings pitch. So that's fairly middle of the pack. But the fact that they're fourth in strikeout-to-walk ratio, considering they're not really a big strikeout pitching staff, is a very, very good sign. But I continue to believe that as long as the sample is big enough for them to have an effect, and at 52 games it is, when it gets smaller, then it ends up being more about the bullpen. This is what we've dealt with for the last couple of years here, is that very often the best way to build a team for the long haul of the regular season is not the best way to build one for the postseason. It's, it, it's just not. Because it's just not because it, it, in the postseason, you're dealing with more active bullpens. You're dealing with uh, a lot of different things, a lot of different things that that end up mattering more than they do in the regular season. Your starters might not go as deep. The, the, the hook gets quicker, you know, and. You're going to have to lean on that bullpen. You end up leaning on that bullpen. But when you do it best, and I think about the way the Red Sox did it last year with Alex Cora, what ends up happening is if you are blessed with depth in your rotation, you are blessed with depth, then once the playoffs come, you move one of those starters to your pen. And either you have a super reliever or you have what the Red Sox had last year, Nate Eovaldi, and then they went and paid him. And what, what they did was use him as kind of a super starter. They used Chris Sale that way too, remember? Where they would have these guys start, but on their side day, which was their, you know, their, their, their third day, um, after a couple days off, between starts, they would be available out of the bullpen. And sometimes they'd have to go deep out of the bullpen. But that's how you utilize stuff. And I find myself wondering, all right, let's say that they use the strength of this rotation and the, the newly constituted... Cubs lineup with Castellanos at the top and Hayward at the top that they get through and then they get to those playoffs. What are you doing in a five game series? You're going Lester Hendricks Hamels, right? Are you not using Darvish? Do you not use Darvish at all? Or is the stuff so good that you must? Do you go Hendricks, Hamels, Darvish and then Lester? And yes, I have a bit of arrogance talking about a playoff rotation as they're a half game up on August the 4th. You can call it arrogance if you want, but call it Castellanfidence because the confidence of Castellanos being here and the lineup looking transformed is there. But it's going to be some really interesting stuff if they are lucky enough to get there and get to a five-game series on how that's going to play out. Do you use four starters? You've got five. Is Quintana in that bullpen? He's certainly fifth. 
But do you, do you dare go through a series without Darvish starting? Or do you take advantage of the fact that you can go through a series without Darvish starting? Because you're concerned about him. I don't know, man. This, this Darvish that we have seen is a very, very good version. This guy who is comfortable with his fastball, who believes in his fastball, who does not nibble like he has in the past. Does not nibble like he was during the first half of this year. Just going after guys. If that's the one you're getting with consistency, it changes everything about the overall rotation. Because you know what you have in Hendricks. Hamels and Lester are as good as veterans get in terms of getting the most out of what they have. It's such a joy to watch them. I want to tell you a story about John Lester from his last start. Actually, I guess it was even two starts ago, but it's really indicative of what his genius is. I want to share that with you before we get out of here. But first, let's go to the phone lines. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Lines are open if you want to hop in and talk Cubs uh, and or White Sox right here on Hit and Run as we lead up to Cubs pregame at 1235. Frank is in Lombard, and Frank is on 670 to score. Hello, Frank. Hey, Steve. Uh, I don't think pitching's our problem. This team reminds me a lot of last year's team where when it comes to the playoffs, we, we better hit. I mean, we're going to face good pitching, and scoring one run a game isn't going to cut it. And I know, you, you know you're pitching if we're in a five-game series. Well, we got to get there first. And with this hitting, we had just had too many hitters like last year. Theo said at the end of last year he was going to make changes. Guys were going to you know, be based on their performance. We didn't perform. He didn't make any changes last year over the offseason. So I have no confidence in this offense when we get to the playoffs. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Frank. Well, you're constituted differently now, you know, and, and you've got to hope that that's going to be that's going to be a difference. That Castellanos will be there, that um, that Zobrist perhaps will be there. And if they can, I hope people heard the conversation with Saad of Sharma at the 10 o'clock hour. They have too many of the same guys. We've known this. We've watched this. And yeah, they did not do enough in the offseason. That's absolutely true. What they ended up doing was trying to coach these guys up. They were hamstrung by the financials. They were perhaps hamstrung because the value of some of their young guys was not what they thought it would be, and the trade value was not there. They even considered trading some of the guys that they that, that they need, guys who were unique, guys who were different. They, they considered trading Zobrist, which is actually the kind of bat that you need. But now here we are. Hayward's having a great year, or his best year. Castellanos is here. Ben Zobrist went two for three last night. And I know that, you know, some folks think he's just not going to be able to give you much. Um, Theo says he's going to trust the player. He thoroughly believes in and trusts the player. And, and we'll see. It, it's, you know, if Zobrist has been working out and trying to keep the hand-eye coordination solid and trying to do what he can then over the course of three weeks or a month here playing in the minors, some at South Bend, some at Iowa, wherever is convenient, if he can get that comfort level back, that confidence back, then he'll be a part of things in September. And then who the hell knows what they're going to be in terms of a playoff roster. He might end up on that playoff roster. And so then you've got multiple guys all of a sudden. You've got a bunch of different guys who can get contact in different ways. It's not a proliferation of fastball, or I, I should say launch angle guys, all trying to, to do their thing and just launch it over the, uh, over the shifts and use those first two strikes to hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's maybe not all those guys at the same time. So it's, uh, I, I think it has, a, it has a pretty good shot to be different, if you're asking me. 
All right, I mentioned this about John Lester. And before we take a break, and Bruce Levine is going to join us in the final segment of the show, give us an update on all, all the news that came out before the game and where things stand with some of the key, the key players and the key news items uh, with these Cubs. John Lester, it was two starts ago. And it was the one where he went the seven shadowed innings and gave the Cubs absolutely everything they needed. And I, I want you to, I, I want people to fully understand and appreciate what is his particular genius. And I didn't really get a chance to talk about it the next morning because there had been a bullpen implosion and there was panic in the streets. But here we are with a little bit of space, and I want to share with you something. It's just so telling about what he does. Um, what Lester tries to establish right from the get-go is ownership of the outside corner as he pitches to right-hand hitters, okay? And he tries to establish that he is going to hit the spots that he wants to hit out there, that he knows what a strike is. He's trying to establish it for the umpire and for the opposition. And it was his very first pitch against Milwaukee that night. It was against Lorenzo Cain. And I'm sitting there watching it with my wife. I watched it, and I paused it, and I rewinded it, and I said, Honey, come here and watch this again. Let's just, let's just look at this. Because the very first pitch of his night, and he almost always tries to do this, and everybody kind of knows it's coming, but it, they don't usually swing at it. The very first pitch was on the low outside corner, absolutely perfect. And when I say perfect, it's not just that it was on the edge of the strike zone. It's that the inside part of the ball was on the outside edge of the strike zone. Right away with pitch number one, he is showing you where he's going to own. He is showing you what you are going to have to respect. And he's showing the batters, I, am, I might get this call. And then he does get the call. And he is immediately stretching the limitations of what perhaps an umpire is going to give. He's figuring out for himself right away, immediately. How wide is my strike zone today? How wide is it? Can I get it a little wider? Let's figure it out right here in inning number one. Of course, I want to get the outs, but you want to do more than that when you're inning number one and you're John Lester and you're starting. You want to establish your spot, and you want to see how much you can stretch the boundaries. And I'm telling you that right there, right then, and he had had the extra day or two of rest because of the illness. So I knew the arm was going to feel good. He has said, uh, you know, very directly that an extra day or two makes a world of difference to him these days. But I knew right then, I turned to her and I said, you know, he's going to be awesome tonight. You can just tell. And he threw seven shutout innings. And it's, I really appreciate veteran pitchers. I mean, you know, if you ever heard me talk football, you know I appreciate veteran wide receivers who are finding a way to athletically hold themselves in a league when everybody is younger, faster, taller, whatever. As, as people have better stuff than John Lester all over this league, as he's no longer a stuff guy, he just knows what the hell he's doing better than almost everybody in the league. And just watch him. Watch him play the cat and mouse game and try to establish ownership of the strike zone. And I just, I remember when Jed Hoyer said, oh, he was talking about somebody else. I think he was talking about Arietta and his erratic nature and how he could get thrown off sometimes with his delivery. He said, look, not everybody can uh, wake up, roll out of bed, and throw a fastball on the outside black like John Lester. And I never forgot that. Because that's what it is. It's that special, special, special. 
level of command and smarts that Lester and Hamels both bring to the table. All right, it's inside the, uh, not it's inside the clubhouse. Yesterday it was inside the clubhouse. It's hit and run right here live at Brick House on 670 The Score. My inside the clubhouse partner, Bruce Levine, will join us next when we come back. Keep it right here on The Score. Cubs pregame coming up at 1235. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Welcome back in on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Tough blow for the Cubs and Wilson Contreras yesterday. They have dealt with it in terms of a roster move. I wonder what else they'll do. Let's go across the street to the ballpark and check in with Bruce Levine. You can read him at MLB Bruce Levine on Twitter. You can hear him on Saturdays on Inside the Clubhouse with me, Matt Spiegel, and he joins us right now on Hit and Run. Good morning, Bruce. What's happening? Good morning, Matt. Yeah, the next move is to try to get another catcher. And, you know, knowing that uh, you can't trade for anybody anymore, the only way to do that is, watch the waiver wires and see who exactly is the release. And the name that we've been looking at is uh, Jonathan Lucroy, who was released by the Angels. Not necessarily released, but put on uh, on uh, waivers. And uh, right now, you know, when you're designated for assignment, other teams can uh, still claim you, even though you don't get anything back. It still goes in the descending order, uh, you know, worst to first in the league. Uh, for through your division and then and then into your or your league into the next league, so the Cubs will have to wait at a certain point to have you know uh, any number of like 26, 27 teams maybe uh, pass before they get an opportunity to put a claim in. So uh, he's been designated for assignment. Has Lou Croy. And, and now on waivers, have, have you done the math, Bruce? What would it be for the Cubs if they were to just grab him and take the rest of the contract? Because I, I wonder how much, if there's even room to do that after Tom Ricketts stepped in to help them get Castellanos. Well, you know, if you want to win, you got to be prepared for these things happening. You have to look at Contreras and say, this, even if it's a mild, uh, you know, mild strain, which means that there's, there's still a strain in the hamstring in an area that's already deemed weak because he had this a couple of years ago and he was out for a month. So it's, it's, it's probably a minimum of three weeks. That being said, uh, you know, this is the championship months of the year. Uh, Caratini does a really good job, but he can't catch every day without the wear and tear. You, you're going to, you know, he's never caught four or five days a week at the major league level. So, they, they're going to want a professional catcher like uh, Lucroy, who maybe he's not at his best right now, and there's some defensive uh, you know, charts that would confirm that. Yeah. He's a professional catcher. You know, He has a presence, and uh, that's what you go for here, Matt, is uh, you get that professional catcher who's been through it before, and you put him back there. Uh, all the pockmarks aside, that's what you're looking for. So I think, I think the Cubs very much want – to uh, be able to claim uh, Luke Roy and be able to put him on their roster. This has been an absolutely brutal stretch here for Jonathan Lucroy. Um, he was in a horrific collision, as folks might remember, with Jake Marisnik of the Houston Astros. He had a concussion and a broken nose. He missed 18 games. And then uh, 
I mean, he had a couple deaths of some people very close to him. He said it had been a tough couple of days, and then he comes back, and he's, he's playing terrible offense and, and then designated for assignment. I, I mean, my God, this has been an incredibly rough go for, for Jonathan Lucroy. I, I wonder how much he wants to play, and you've got to factor all that in. And then there's this, Bruce, and I don't know if these are the charts that you're mentioning. He used to be considered a terrific pitch framer defensively, and he is not anymore. Something declined dramatically in his pitch framing, and nobody seems to really know exactly what it is. But as much as the Cubs value that, I'm not sure that, that he's a fit in that sense. Well, no, but, but what are your choices? I mean, you want a big league catcher who's been through playoff experience, okay? That's, that's yeah. what you look at here. You know, you know all, the, all the numbers tell you it's not going well for him. But here's the guy that's going from a fourth-place team to a first-place team who's been through playoff baseball, who has a presence, who can hit, you know, you, you probably cast a lot of that aside and say, you know, do we want Taylor Davis here with all due respect to Taylor, or do we want Jonathan Lucroy, even with all the negative the defensive, uh, you know, metrics that go along with it, including the uh, Angels leading all the baseball and pass balls and wild pitches. Uh, there, there's a presence issue that you have to fill when the when the manager puts that lineup out there every day. And again, you know, w- when you look at Caratini, he's not going to be able to catch every day. You know, that's just, you know, he's going to wear down from four or five times a week. So you you bring the guy in and you roll the dice for a million bucks. You know, that's mm. that's what you do. You don't you don't tell everybody what he can't do. You you know who he has been, and you hope that. You get some remnants of, uh, you know, what he had been before. But you need a professional catcher back there for the last two months. You know, there's a couple other veterans who are, who are actually free agents right now. So they're sitting around on the couch. And this happens sometimes to catchers. And, and this, you know, if you're forced to go this direction, Nick Hundley uh, has been a backup before, been, been around a long time. Bobby Wilson is another one. Rene Rivera is another one. Have you heard any of these names bandied about, Bruce? Yeah, they've, they've talked about all of them, but they, they feel Lucroy is the best game-ready uh, choice, and they're, they're going to try to get him. I mean, I, there's, there's no question. Okay. Now, I know Oakland is looking for a catcher. Uh, they will probably uh, they'll, they'll pick before the Cubs do, so uh, there's a chance that they take him uh, before the Cubs even get an opportunity. Again, it goes, through, goes backwards through your league first, okay? <clears throat> then it goes backwards to the next league. So the Cubs might be like 27 before they get an opportunity to put a claim in. Interesting. So so, so they are interested. It's Bruce Levine uh, with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run, saying they are interested and they will try. If he gets all the way there, they will try to make the waiver claim yeah. on Jonathan you know, Lucroy. Again, again you're, you're right, Matt. Um, you don't always want to buy the baseball card when the baseball card's not living up to the past, but I just I can't emphasize enough, you know, that you know you got a guy that's been through it. He's going through it from a fourth place team to a first place team, and I'm not going to say that he's going to turn into Superman and turn it all the way around, but he can catch a veteran staff, and and he can he can hit a little bit, even though he, like you said, had a brutal year. So I would roll the dice for a million bucks if uh, Mr. Ricketts goes along with that idea, and he gets through to them at 27. Uh, I think you got an opportunity to have them here. Yeah, you mentioned like, and it seems wise—a minimum of three weeks. It could be worse, right? For Wilson, I mean, we could be 
It could be a tear. Uh, and if it's a tear, then you're talking about season being done, right? I mean, we don't know exactly. I mean, no. And because it's been in the same area and, and you know, two years ago he missed a month with a, with a, the same hamstring issue. We don't know if it's high or in the middle or low, whatever. Uh, we do know that, you know, he's suffered this before. And, you know, even if it's best news in the world, he's not back until three weeks. You know, three weeks is a long time when you only have, what, um, you know, eight weeks left in the season, seven and a half weeks in the season. So um, then, you know, what type of progress does he make when he comes back? you got to get somebody. I mean, that's it. And, uh, again, the rules work against you this year because there are no more trades. It used to be we can find that backup catcher. We can make a deal with another team. That doesn't exist any longer. Yeah, now we knew somebody was going to get screwed over. If somebody was going to get damaged, they were going to lose a key piece, and maybe it was a catcher. I remember thinking about it, and, and, and lo and behold, it's the Cubs. Yeah, Alex Avila was, uh, was an August pickup mm-hmm. as, a, as an add-on for a third well, catcher. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Rene um, Rivera. Rene Rivera. Rivera. They picked him up as well uh, yeah. late in the year. So they, they've done this on a, on a regular basis. And, you know, it usually is a backup catcher or somebody like that. Uh, you know, you wonder now how, the, how much they might regret uh, letting Maldonado go in the trade to Houston just a few days ago. Yeah, folks wondering on the text line uh, what kind of shape Miguel Montero's in. These days, he's <laughs> he's in he's in very drinking shape. I can tell you that. Much. Uh, right, and and David Ross is in broadcast mode. People, look, yeah, he's lost. Yeah. He's he's no longer in in your playing shape. Um, we were people, we were a vic. Yeah, people forget how hard it is to catch at a high level every day. We pick apart a guy like Contreras, who doesn't have the greatest framing uh, numbers. Who doesn't uh, who who who's learned to quiet it down and gotten better and better every year. But you, you, you forget about what impact he has on Joe's lineup in the five or six hole switching off with, with Schwarber, how, how they have to pitch to him uh, and be careful about it. You, you forget the energy he brings every day. Uh, the guy's an animal. He, you know, he catches four or five times a week. You forget the arm and uh, the impact of that, keeping maybe not just back-picking guys, but keeping guys closer so they don't score or go to uh, take the extra base on a basis. All, all these little subtle things are forgotten until you lose the guy. Um, in terms of other news that's going on, we got Chris Bryant with a day off, uh, resting the knee. Is his uh, slump a factor here at all, Bruce? I don't think so. It's just a question of Joe wanted to, you know, it's been a little, a little achy. Joe said if it's a playoff game, he plays, but he wants to give him that extra day. He's been dealing with this knee a little bit, and you're, you're right, Matt. He has been slumping as of late, uh, but uh, that, that's not the reason for it. He, they just want to give him that extra day here. Um, they have an, another day off on Thursday uh, next week. So uh, off, play three, another day off. You know, I think they have a couple more uh, going down the stretch as well. So they're, they're kind of picking it for the veterans, especially the guys with the little aches and pains like Bryant. The bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. 
Your Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit chicagowolves.com. And it was also brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for $3.79 every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Yesterday morning, Bruce, you and I talking about Jason Hayward hitting leadoff, and now Nick Castellanos hitting second. They're going to stay that way for a while. I loved what Joe said yesterday after the game. Said that's what what hunger looks like. We're reminded of what hunger looks like. Castellanos is playing with a lot of energy and a lot of hunger. He wants to make the postseason, and that's a that's a healthy influence on the ball club, isn't it? Yeah, and the coolest thing, you know, when I talked to uh, a scout who uh, scouted him for another team, uh, his report on Castellanos was he will hit good pitching and hit it often, and that's something that really – uh, piques the interest of a general manager or president of baseball operations when they see the idea that he's got an approach that will allow him to hit the good pitchers, not just the, the four and fives or the uh, bullpen guys that have been in there too long. And uh, so far we've seen, you know, really great energy and a really nice approach from Castellanos and maybe a little bit better, a little bit more uh, speed in the outfield than we expected. Yeah, I think so. A, a little more comfort level out there. It's nice when you get finally get a chance to watch a guy you've kind of heard about. The Tigers have not been relevant for a while, but a lot of their fans have said, well, at least we got Castellanos. I like watching him play, and now we get a chance to see why in just, just about all facets. Good overall ball player. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, people won't realize that, you know, he was mostly a third baseman up until a couple of years ago, so he's a converted outfielder, and he's still – you know, learning how to get jumps and, uh, and and still being comfortable out there at the same time. So um, those are all aspects of uh, getting better at a position. You know, you you saw it with you see it with Ian Happ. You know, going from second base to the outfield, from uh, amateur ball to professional ball, and and getting comfort levels at both positions. And now he's being asked to uh, maybe play both positions again up here from time to time. All right, Bruce, before we let you go, anything else of consequence? Cole Hamels respond well to his uh, performance yesterday in terms of the arm? Yeah, all good there. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, divvying up the catcher spot will be Joel's uh, biggest challenge right now until they figure out if they get a Luke Croy or somebody else, like you said, that might be sitting on the sidelines. That, that'll be the, uh, the, the daily game challenge for Joe and the rest of the team. I mean, uh, again, Caratini's done a great job, and a lot of the pitchers love pitching to him. But I can't emphasize enough, going from catching once or twice a week to four or five times, a big difference. Bruce, thanks so much. Enjoy the ball game. All right, Matt. Thank you. You got it. That's Bruce Levine. The score is a baseball insider. Joining us right here on Hit and Run on 670, the score. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's that rotation's in good shape. Uh, the bullpen, Steve Ciszek looked real good after resting for three days and coming in yesterday. Craig Kimbrell got the job uh, done yesterday. You've got to figure that uh, Kimbrell probably available to go again today. Not more than an inning. We're not, we haven't reached that point yet. But going again for a second day, if need be, I'm sure that is a possibility. And you've got the Cubs going for a sweep of Milwaukee which would be a very, very welcome thing indeed. They're a half game back of the St. Louis Cardinals as play begins today. 
And uh, it should be a lot of fun the rest of the week at Wrigley Field and what has been a beautiful week. Tomorrow and Tuesday, I'll be part of the broadcast that I'm about to hand it over to. Looking very much forward to doing pregame and postgame tomorrow and Tuesday as uh, our man Zach Zabin will be stepping in for Pat Hughes, who will take a couple of days off. So I'll be part of that. But for now, I'll say goodbye and hand it over to Zach. Thank you so much to Alex, who has done a terrific job engineering. Thanks to Rich Wyatt, who got us all set up in engineering as well. Thank you to Holt and to Cooper in promotions. Great job, guys. I want to say thanks to our guests today, Sahad of Sharma, for coming over from The Athletic and talking about the league-wide trend with four-seam fastballs and sliders. That's right. I get all the biggies to come over. Jim Deshays with his Chi-Chi Rodriguez golf hat. Super duper fancy doing the uh, sword celebration without the pitching wedge, but that's okay. He did it right here at Budweiser Brickhouse. We thank Jim for coming by. Bruce Levine right there, you heard. And Danny Evans, the uh, former White Sox front office staffer, former Dodgers GM, joined us as well on the show. Thank you to Adam Studzinski and thank you to Julio Rousseau for their help back at the shop. I'll be uh, on the Cubs radio broadcast tomorrow and the next day doing pre and post. Talk to you then and then next week for Inside the Clubhouse and for Hit and Run in what should be a very interesting time. Every week the rest of the way should be interesting for these first place Chicago Cubs. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you to everyone here at Brickhouse. This place has uh, been absolutely terrific, and we appreciate all that they do. Budweiser Brickhouse Tavern, by the way, will be hosting a bus trip to Miller Park to watch the Cubs take on the Brewers September 7th. For more info, visit BrickhouseTavernCHI.com. Cubs baseball is next, coming up right here on 670 The Score. for keeping us the number one sports station in Chicago. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t